You're listening to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with your host, me, Dr. Kylie. I would be very appreciative and thank you beforehand for writing a review. These reviews help people find the podcast so they can have answers, healing, and hope. Whether you have a diagnosis or you don't, I don't care. Let's get to the why and let's unravel your body's chaos so you can start living your dreams. Yes, those dreams you've never dared to dream because what I've learned is when you're sick, you only have one dream and that's to feel better. So please take a couple minutes and write a review so your friends, your loved ones, and those who you don't even know can find this and benefit from it. Thanks again. Now let's dive in. Hey ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, we are back live on the podcast. We're also live in the membership platform, um, the Healing Beyond the Diagnosis Tribe. This video goes live and those who members are able to get on the calls with us and ask any questions that they have, but we'll also be putting this on the podcast. So wherever you're listening to it, stay tuned because Carrie is going to walk us through what do you do when you hear those words, you have cancer because she's been in those shoes. And Carrie is a transformational mindset coach, a public speaker, a author, and be sure to check out her podcast called Coffee and Tea with Carrie V. Carrie, I'm so glad to have you back. I know I you did. I am so happy to be here. So Carrie's got walking us through what to do when you hear those words, you have cancer. And not only with the, when it comes to the cancer portion, but really any diagnosis. Yes. Yeah. We have, we have, we have this tendency to go through life as if nothing changes. And the truth is things, things are going to change. Your life will change. Things are going to come into your life. Things that you never expected. And I have lived, especially the last 10 years, really a, a super healthy lifestyle. I took so many steps to lose weight and eat a healthier diet and and seek the help of the help of naturopaths and and get myself as healthy as I could be. In fact, on my goal board for 2020, it said the best shape of my life December 31st, 2020. That was a goal for the entire year. But on December 13th, eight o'clock at night, and and you know if you have ever had a, a scary health diagnosis, whether it is cancer or MS, or Parkinson's, or whatever whatever it is, a thyroid disorder, when you get the call that your tests have shown something out of the ordinary, you remember everything about that call. You remember what time it was. You remember what you were wearing. You remember who you were with. You remember what the weather was like. You probably remember what your last meal was because it changes everything in the, in the time it takes the doctor to give you a diagnosis everything changes. And on December 13th of 2020 at eight o'clock at night, my phone rang, my husband and I were decorating the Christmas tree and my phone rang and it was in the kitchen. So I went to the kitchen, I picked it up, I looked at it. I didn't recognize the call. So I was just going to put it back down, but something inside of me said, it's eight o'clock at night. I know you don't know the number, but just call. And it was the GI doctor who had done my colonoscopy a week before. And it was actually a week and a day. And because I hadn't gotten a call within seven days, because they said, we'll call you within seven days, 
I just went off on my merry way. It was a screening colonoscopy. They had removed a polyp. He even said to my husband, it was the tiny polyp. I don't expect it to be anything, but we'll biopsy it. It was just kind of off the cuff. But he called, Dr. Lehrman called me on a Sunday night at eight o'clock, December 13th. And he said, I need you in my office at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. And I said, can you tell me why? And he said, I don't really like to do these things over the phone. And I said, look, I am someone who takes such good care of myself. I am someone who is, I just, I want to know. I would rather know all of the details, even if they are quote unquote scary details, than to just face this without any explanation. And so he said, well, your biopsy came back as cancer and it's already invasive into the colon wall. And it just, I just remember my knees going weak. And I, I told him, I told the doctor we'd be there the next morning. And I went into to the living room where my husband was still just blissfully decorating the Christmas tree. I think he was untangling hooks for me. <laughs> And I said to him, he looked over at me and he said, what's the matter? And I said, that was Dr. Lehrman. He goes, on a Sunday night? I said, yeah, I have cancer. And he, he just, I mean, his legs went out from under him. He went down on the, on the chair and he just stared at me. And so I sat down on a, on a chair across the room from him and we just stared at each other. Neither one of us knew what to say. Neither one of us knew how to even digest this news. And it what was going through my head was, how can this be? How, how? I didn't invite cancer into my life. I didn't invite this disease to come into my colon and start growing a tumor. I, I did everything I could to make sure that my body knew that this was not a haven for cancer in any way, shape, or form. I was so healthy. I eat more vegetables than anybody I know. I, I've eliminated sugar. I don't drink much alcohol. I mean, I just did everything right. And so having this, having this diagnosis floored me and it floored my husband and it changed everything. And I realized in that moment, and, and as we laid in bed that night, just talking about this, I realized I had two choices and I could either let this diagnosis define me or I could choose to define my life the way I wanted it defined. And that meant, that meant really focusing on living. It meant focusing on the positive. It meant focusing on today and not trying to control every single, every single part of this situation. It meant that I got to shift my mindset and really live. What if we took the words of the diagnosis as a wake-up call? Rather than terming it bad news, we give we give the we use this terminology so much. Oh, I got bad news today. Well, what if we just said I got news today and we just let it be neutral? What if we just decided that the news we got from the doctor, from maybe it's a friend that's telling you that they've been diagnosed with something, what if we just framed it as a neutral word? What if we just said, okay, it's news. It's news. But what if what if we took those words and kind of sat them on a table beside us and refused to let it have us, what if we said, okay, you've decided to knock on my door. I had no choice but to let you in because you were there. You obviously found the hole to get in. Now, now I set the rules. 
and I get to tell you how we're going to how we're going to deal with this. Okay, cancer, you're here. And it was, you know, Dr. Kylie, it was it was the same cancer that took my brother when he was 48 years old. We it was the same colon cancer diagnosis. And that's where my thoughts wanted to race to. I watched my brother fight this cancer and it was horrific for an entire year, the surgeries and the, and all of the chemo and the radiation. And then a year where he thought really, we all thought he had beat cancer. And then it came back with a vengeance. And we had another year of that, of that horrifying treating of the cancer. And that's where my mind went was, oh my gosh, I, I already know what this disease does. And I think with any diagnosis that we get, we kind of we kind of have an idea of we've seen other people or we've read articles or we've seen movies and we that's where our mind wants to go to the worst case scenario but even my brother who's who had a stage 4 plus cancer diagnosis when he was when he was diagnosed he refused to look at a worst case scenario and i just thought well you know if he can make this journey if he could have made this journey through a stage four diagnosis, I can do this. I can do this. And that's what I want all of you to grasp hold of. No matter how bad our mind wants to go with this news, let's frame the news as neutral and just decide that we can do this. We are strong enough to take this journey wherever it leads us. We are strong enough. The disease does not define us. All it is is a word. If you if you take cancer or PCOS or Parkinson's disease and you just write it out on a piece of paper, it's your pen and the ink hitting the paper. That's really all it is. And the we can either give it power to destroy us or we can give it power to change us in a mighty way. What if we took those words as a wake-up call, rather as bad news, we say, okay, I've got these words, they're a wake-up call. I am gonna spend more time with my family. This is a wake-up call to follow my dreams. This is a wake-up call to, to help others maybe navigate these waters. I'm gonna go through this and I'm gonna learn so much that I'm gonna be able to help others navigate the waters of a diagnosis that is not what we wanted. And I don't know of very many people, I'm trying to think of anyone in my life that I know of that has never had a health diagnosis that was that was going to be easy to deal with. They come, it's part of life. And we do everything we can, right? We have Dr. Kylie here who's gonna go beyond the diagnosis with us and help us live that healthier lifestyle. But in the meantime, we may have, ha we, maybe we're here because we've had that diagnosis. Maybe, maybe that's, Maybe that's why we found Dr. Kylie. It probably is because we're out searching, right? We're out searching. I want to know, how can I present, prevent this from going further? How can I turn it around? I firmly believe we can turn pretty much everything around if we know what is causing it. And that's the mindset shift that you get to have by working with Dr. Kylie, by listening to motivational speakers who are telling you to shift your mindset. And you're not pretending, you're not pretending that it doesn't exist, but you are looking it square in the face and choosing hope over the fear. So 
Dr. Kylie, when, when you have people come to you, are they coming in mostly with an attitude of frustration and fear when they get to you? Frustration, yes. Fear, not so much. They've It's more so of giving up hope. They've yes. given up that they can, they've tried everything under the sun. They have, including alternative stuff, they've been given, you know, for example, they've been given an MS diagnosis and they were told, oh, you have to have this injection, this trial injection for every once a month for the rest of your life to just make your MRIs look good and prevent further damage going on. But then every time they get the injection, they're dead for three days. Yes. So where I say, okay, why did the MS pop up? Yes. What triggered it? Calm the immune system down and then rehab the gut, which is the immune system. And we can put all these MS symptoms behind us. We can put it in remission. So that's yes. the big thing. No matter whatever the no matter what the diagnosis is or lack of diagnosis, this can all be put in the past. You just have yes. to have the right toolkit to do it. Yes. And so you are providing this toolkit. And I'm asking, I'm then asking everyone to take that mindset and shift it, which makes the toolkit even more effective. Mm-hmm. Because that hope, I've lost all hope, is going to suppress. You can please correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, that that suppresses the immune system even more, that depression, that sadness. It just shoves everything down. And I know that with my diagnosis, and this is what I'm most familiar with because this is what I'm living, if I look back and even speaking with the naturopath that I'd been working with for months, I just remember when doctor when the doctor gave me the diagnosis i remember back to my naturopath saying your hormones are so suppressed that right now we need to work on this we need to work so much on this part because i fear i fear the cancer that is in your future if we don't fix this but it has been it had been years dr kylie it had been years that i had been abusing my body with a lack of sleep and with holding on to stress, holding it deep, deep inside. So when I say, but I'm the healthiest person I know, when I really dug off the layers, there was a lot there that wasn't healthy. That that stress that I lived under constantly, constant fight or flight mode, waking up in the middle of the night, wondering when I was working corporate America, waking up in the middle of the night, trying to solve problems when I should have been sleeping, but I couldn't sleep because my mind wouldn't turn off. And so I was existing on two, three, four hours of sleep. Four hours was a great night. And realizing now, looking back, how much that, how how destructive that is. And so when I, when I got that diagnosis, it was an immediate shift in that mindset to really look at how much I'm really, really taking care of me. Because the diagnosis, I've learned enough from listening to you that that diagnosis was the tip of the iceberg. There was a lot going on underneath the water mm-hmm. on why it even happened and why why it came into why it came into my life. And I and I started to go and go back on conversations I had with my brother when he was going through his cancer treatments on a much much more advanced cancer, and and he was he was searching for a healthier lifestyle. And he, he turned everything around. And I'm convinced, really convinced that his attitude 
towards his cancer diagnosis was what allowed us to have him for three more years. When the first doctor sent him home literally and said, you have four weeks to live. And we refused to accept that. He refused to accept that. And he went searching and he met with a team of doctors who said, if you are willing to give it all you have, we will work with you. And he said, I'm ready to fight. And he just adopted this mindset of, I am a fighter, I am a winner, and I want to know everything that's going on underneath that tip of the iceberg. What can I do? What can I do to shift things? So my expertise is mindset. I'm not, I'm not the medical person. That's why you're here. <laughs> and they work in tandem. So one of the things that I decided I was going to do was surrender to this diagnosis. Not in the way of going belly up. We have a little, we have a little miniature poodle and she's such a sweet dog. But when you go to touch her, she's belly up. Like she's just totally yours. You can do whatever you want to me. So I'm not saying lay down like the poodle and go belly up, but surrendering to this diagnosis in a way of letting go of your need to be in control of it, letting go of Google. So how many of us do this? We get this diagnosis and we start Googling and we get we more and Google more to diagnose ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's always yeah. the craziest. I've had women tell me that their husbands have banned them from using Google because they've come up with all of these crazy diagnoses for themselves. Yeah. Yes. And while you're doing that, you're, you're sinking more into despair, frustration, maybe even fear. You just, you're reading all these things. And, and let's be honest, you can find anything on Google, anything on the internet to support what you believe. Yes. So you can find any you, research you want to support with what you believe too. It's all out there. Anything, anything, mm -hmm. right? You can, I, when I heard the words colon cancer, I did that. I went and I started Googling and then they had recommended genetic testing on me as well because of all of those kinds, those types of cancer on my mom's side of the family. And I actually then was diagnosed with a, a gene mutation in the MLH1 gene. I don't really understand genetics, but I, I know what I know about what they diagnosed me with. So on top of this colon cancer diagnosis, now I had a Lynch syndrome diagnosis. So I was, di I was Googling both of those things. And when I Googled Lynch syndrome, I just, I wanted to just sit back in a chair and curl up in a blanket and cry for another year because it made, what it said was that I have this extreme increased risk of certain types of cancer, colon being one of them, uterine, ovarian, and skin cancer and brain cancer. I mean, it just, there was just a whole list of all these cancers. And I just, so, you know, you dig deeper, you dig deeper and more and more into Google. And I finally decided I'm going to surrender and not make Google my best friend. I'm not looking up anything else. I am going to talk to experts. I'm going to talk to my genetic counselor. I'm going to talk to the surgeon and I'm going to talk to my doctor. And that's where I'm going to get my information from and find out what is going on in my body. And then I can bring it to someone like you, Dr. Kylie, and my naturopath who go deeper underneath instead of just that one that one section of my body, but looking at the whole picture of what's going on with me with the suppressed hormones and the lack of sleep and the stress that I've been living under and putting it all together as to what was really going on, but totally letting go of my need 
to be in control of this disease that had decided to camp out in the cecum of my large intestine. That was a hard step. It was a hard mindset shift to say, I'm not looking anything else up. I'm not doing this. So many people need to stop that too. Take this, take what you did and apply it into their lives and say, I'm going to just stop searching and letting Google be my MD. I'm going to go get the answers from someone who's trained and someone who's specialized in XYZ and, and stop placing all of this extra what if scenario into their life. Because that's just great. More stress, more heartache, more unknown. Yes. When Google is great, turn it off. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for where to find the best pair of shoes at the best price, Google's awesome. Google is awesome. But not when you... Hi, honey. (laughs) Not when you are looking for a health diagnosis. It's, It's just... I understand why it's there, but I feel very strongly that we we have relied on it so much that and it's to and it's a detriment to our health and to our mindsets. It's a total detriment. Also, the other thing, there were four steps, four things that I decided I was going to going to surrender. One was my need to be in control because I couldn't be. I couldn't be in total control of of this. Some of it I had to accept there was going to be a surgery. There was going to be a biopsy. There was going to be more because of the Lynch syndrome. And I was willing to surrender that. The other thing that when you get a health diagnosis like this is to surrender your schedule and your routine because it's going to change. It is going to change. Life changes the moment you get the news. In the, I tell people in the 10 seconds, it heard me to hear the words, you have cancer. And it was probably much less than that. Everything changed. My schedule for the next day changed immediately. My routine for the next few months changed immediately. There were more testings to be done. There was surgery that was going to be scheduled. There was the genetic counseling that was coming in. And there was also, on in my case, then because of the genetic part of it, I was reaching out to all of my family members saying, hey, we've got this in our family. We need to make this aware. I had a 50% chance that I had passed this on to my children. So everything changed. My schedule changed completely. And I would, and I fought it originally, you know, right in the beginning, I wanted to make sure that I was getting everything done that I had listed out on my calendar for the next three months. I just wanted to make sure that I was still getting that done and it couldn't happen. It really could not happen. It meant going to clients and saying, listen, I'm going to extend your contract for a month because I need to take some, I need to take a step back and being okay with that. Really learn to surrender your schedule because it's going to change and, and it's okay. It's okay for that to change. That would be so hard for me because I am <laughs> such a, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it by this date and nothing's getting in my way type person. Yes, I am that way as well. And sometimes a diagnosis like this is saying, <laughs> you're going to change it. It's, <laughs> and sometimes I'm a, I am big into fitness. I love to work out every morning. And I realize that sometimes that that workout now meant no day of rest. It certainly wasn't going to be up working out the day of surgery or the day after surgery or two weeks after surgery. It was, I mean, they cut me open and took pieces of my body out. 
I, my body needed time to heal and I needed to change my routine and change my schedule and be okay with that. Yeah. Surrender I don't to think that. As women, we allow our bodies time to heal. We don't. You go through pregnancy and go through labor, and then it's like, oh, in a month, I need to be up working out again and losing all this baby weight. No, you don't. Yes. No. I'm nine months postpartum. I think I've ridden my, my bike, I don't know, four or five times in nine months. But it's literally me just getting on and doing a 20-minute de-stress bike ride. When yeah. my my deliveries are quite easy. I'm up, I was up mowing the yard, our third acre yard, a week after I was doing labor because my husband had broken his foot. So it was up oh to me to, to mow the yard. So I wasn't yeah. like physically out for a while. But when I started to get on that bike and I was like, I can't even push these pedals. I am just so exhausted and so tired. Yeah. So get off the bike. There's no yes. point in pushing yourself to go through that when it's just going to become another stressor. And as yes. women, we don't allow our bodies that. No. Whether it's no, going no. to the gym, whether it's running the 5K or the 10K, or just allow your body to be itself and to heal. Yes. Whatever you're healing from. Yeah. Yes. Surrender the, Surrender your schedule and routine. It's so interesting that you brought that up. I Before I went into surgery, I even shared this on my podcast and in my group coaching courses and classes that in the surgeries, all any of surgery that I had had in the past, in 2005, I donated a kidney to my dad. It was supposed to be a three-month recovery out of work. I went back to work in two weeks because I, because I thought I needed to prove myself uh-huh. to my boss's to my coworkers, to myself. Any surgery I've had when I had my hysterectomy, I was back up within two days. I I had my hysterectomy like December 15th or something like that, or I guess it was the 22nd. And I was fixing breakfast for all the kids on Christmas morning, running around cooking. And every single surgery has been like that. And you're right. I never, never gave myself time to heal, which is probably what all precipitated and boiled up and mushed up and brought me to December 13th, eight o'clock at night, 2020. Just the, it's abuse on your body to not give it time, to not surrender that schedule and that routine. It is okay to surrender that. The other thing is to let go of perfection, surrender your need to have, to do everything perfect. You're going to make mistakes and it's okay. Be okay with being an imperfect human being. That kind of all goes that all stresses in there with letting go of Google being your best friend, surrendering your schedule routine, surrendering to those curveballs and the need to be perfect through them. This is a new journey. I never took this journey before. When you get your your health diagnosis, it's a new journey. You can't be perfect on it because you don't know what to expect. You have no idea what what are the what are the next steps. So just be okay with taking just the next step and really living the life that you have. Oh, I want to correlate that to being perfect as a mom. Yes. Because we all, we have our baby, we have a kid, we raise the first kid, we get pregnant again, have a second kid. They're nothing alike. No. (laughs) So you're not going to to raise the same one as the same as the other. And we expect ourselves to be these perfect moms. Yeah. Throw it out the window. Yes. It, It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Just live your life. Bring laughter into every day, no matter how 
dire a situation feels, invite the laughter in and let go of the perfection. When I learned this a lot from my dad and the things that he went through in life. And when, when my grandmother died, when his mom died, we were all so close to her and it was a devastating loss. But my dad would, my dad had a way of weaving the fun in, even, even in those extremely sad times. And it was the laughter that got us all through. We didn't need to be perfect on the perfect eulogy and the perfect funeral and the perfect way that we cleaned our house out. We just needed to journey together as a family. And my dad made sure that no matter how sad and how dire the situation was, we would still bring laughter. And he did the same thing when he was himself dying of heart disease. He was still, he was still making us laugh on the very night he died, he was still giving us funny faces and making sure that the laughter was there while encouraging us to feel all of the feelings. He just knew that that was a feeling that needed to be added in there. So let go of the need of perfection and invite the laughter in. And the final thing that I surrendered to, and this is the hardest, and this is going to all culminate all of this. It was surrendering to the fact that not only did I need help, not only was it okay to ask for help, but other people really wanted to help me. They wanted to rally around with me. And I decided to surrender to the fact that yes, I needed the help and it was okay to accept the embraces that were coming my way. The food that showed up, my group coaching, clients gathered around me from all all the areas of the world that they are in and made sure that someone in the area where I live was bringing food to the family and bringing all, I mean, just, they found out what I, you know, that I eat vegan and gluten-free and they made sure all the foods were that were, were based around what I could eat and, and what my family liked too. Well, does your, what does your mom like? What does your husband like? It was humbling to accept that help. And it was the hardest thing for me to surrender to. Much easier than giving up Google, easier than giving up my need to be perfect, easier than changing my whole schedule and my routine. I wanted to be able to prove that I could do this on my own. I was strong and I could get through this. And the fact is, the fact is there are days when you get these diagnoses that you really, you really just need to sit back and breathe and accept the help. Let others help you. Think about how much you love to help others and what it would be like if they said, yeah, I don't want that help. That's my response always to say, I got this. I got this. And I did that this time. No, I'm good. I got this. And I finally, a coach that I'm working with, I logged in for a one-on-one call with her and I started to talk about some things. She goes, can we just stop? You have cancer. I said, yeah. When are you going to start letting people help you? This is ridiculous. You don't have to be strong. You can accept this help. Surrender to your need to always be in control. Surrender to the fact that people really want to help you. You're offending them by not accepting their help. And it was a real, that was more of a wake-up call to me, I think, than the cancer diagnosis was surrendering that. It's okay. It is okay to ask for help. It's a strength. Yeah, I had to learn that up in school. 
Because during our finals week, it was very common for us to have 14, 15, 16, 22 exams in one week. That was just common common place for us. Um, We learned how to crank out tests and you became a very good test taker. Otherwise, you didn't survive. But I learned with my group of friends up there, they wanted to bring my roommate and I meals during tests, during finals week. And it was always like, no, we got this. We can do this, you know? So you just, you want to accept them because they're, they're willing to help and you want to be able to give people that opportunity. And if you won't, if the other person's not accepting it on the other end, then we can't help each other. So I learned to accept them. Then the other factor was you're under so much stress. Yeah. You don't want to eat. Yes. No, you have to eat because you have to supply your brain with fuel and needs to take the <laughs> test. So you yes. force yourself to eat. And that was another way of, you know, I'm so exhausted. I don't have the energy to cook. Oh, wait, they're bringing me dinner in 10 minutes. Yes. So it was such a relief. And I, we were also, Miranda and I were so grateful for it. But it was that, yeah, we need help during this week. Yeah. And it's, Especially as women, I think it's just so hard for us to say those words, I need help. And I I don't know exactly where it comes from, but I, I can say in my life, it's been different people in my past who, if they saw me resting, reading a book, I would get, what, you have nothing to do? Are you going to be lazy all day? And I, and bringing that into, bringing that in now when I'm 55 years old and and changing my mindset and realizing, no, it was okay for me to read a book then. And it's okay for me to ask for help now. And when I was kind of pushing away the help, what my coach said to me was, you know, you're, you have a family as well that you are normally the one doing all the cooking for. And you're normally the one doing that because I really do enjoy that part of what I do. And in that part of, you know, of my household with my mom now living with us and she's 85 and and my husband, I, I love putting dinner on the table. And my coach said to me, you know, Gabe is also, though the, though the cancer's not in his body, this is his diagnosis too. And I don't think he has the energy to think about what he's going to cook while you're in surgery and when you come out of surgery. And it, I really hadn't thought about that. I just figured, well, he'll take over. And not realizing that, yeah, this this is his diagnosis too. Is that's another another part of this is ex, and is realizing that the people around you, friends and family, people that love you, this diagnosis affects them as well. And yeah. let them let them in. Cool. Um, I want to jump over real quick to something else. So, do you have anything else to say on the topic? No, this this was it. Okay, I want you to tell our listeners how you had the courage to leap out of an unhealthy, stressful environment working in corporate America and really take a leap of faith and do what you do now. What took, what gave you the courage? How did you find the courage to make a such, such a tremendous change in your life? Yeah. Knowing that it needed to be done, had to be done if you were going to change your health for the future. Yeah. When my brother, going back to to when my brother was diagnosed with cancer, um, before he died, a week before he died, he took my hand and he, we were sitting in a restaurant. I will just never forget. He was so weak and so tired, but he wanted to go out for breakfast. And he was holding my hand across the table and he said, little sis, 
you've got a gift. You need to promise me that you are going to use this gift to help others choose more life. And I made the promise to him that I would do that. I, I told him that I would spend the rest of my life pouring into the lives of others. But I stayed in corporate America and I, and I would dabble in it here and dabble in it there. And I would try to do something and then pull back because I was terrified of leaving what I thought, I, you know, that steady paycheck, that health insurance, all of those things that come with a corporate job. I had earned my MBA. I was working as a general manager and walking away from that seemed really, really scary. But then I realized one day I was sitting in my office and my desk literally was set up like a cage. When you walked into my office, there was one way to get behind it. And if someone stood at that entryway, it was wide enough for me to get through. And then it was a desk and a credenza and some bookshelves and things. So I literally had one way to get in. And if someone came into my office and they were standing there, I was trapped. And I realized one day my employer was standing in that little opening and I just looked up and I looked around and I, and it just hit me. I'm in a cage. I'm like an animal trapped in a cage where my life is out on the other side and I'm not living it. And if I want to live that life, it's going to take, it's going to take a leap of faith. And I came home and I said to my husband, I was born to motivate people. I was born to inspire people. Why am I still standing there? Then why am I still standing there? And he said, because you haven't decided it's worth it yet. And it hit me so hard. It hit me so hard. So I grabbed a journal and I, and I know you know me well enough to know that journaling is, to me, I think it is one of the most powerful things you can do in your life. And I started journaling the pros and cons of staying in corporate America versus leaving. And when I got done, I realized that there were very few pros to staying, steady paycheck, health insurance, stability. I'll use that in quotes. And then the, the pros of leaving were just, I filled page after page after page, being able to pour into people, being able to motivate people, waking up every day and doing what I love. And I just jumped. I was tired of being a caged animal. It really just came down to the decision to believe in myself. That was the, that was what did it. I think that's what stops a lot of people. Yeah. And I know when you and I met, we were in a five-day challenge with Chris and Jen. Yeah. And we were learning how to be on TV, basically. Yes. But the very first call that week was a, was a mindset call with Jen. And Jen yes. taught that we only need to believe more than we don't. Yes. So believing 100% is a lie. And I love that. Yes. You only need to believe 51%. Yes. Just a little bit more than you don't believe. Yes. Yes. Oh, that gives me chills just thinking about that. And I probably, I will have, I will admit that I believed 51% that I that's could all do you this. Need. And that's, that's all, all I need. needed. Yes. Yeah. So listeners, whatever you're trying to decide on, whether you're making a change, whether you're making whatever choice you're making today, you just need to believe a little bit more than you don't. Yeah. Your world, your life is out there waiting for you. 
So cool. All right. Thank you, Carrie, so much for telling us your story, telling us how to contradict or conquer, I should say, any diagnosis or lack of diagnosis as many listeners find themselves in and just really learning how to change the mindset so you can surrender to whatever is in your future and then take it and run with it. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carrie. And that's a wrap. Now, I would ask one thing of you. Will you please write a review? I would be very grateful for it. And after you write your review, in fact, I'm going to give you access to my 60-minute thyroid workshop, Why Are My Thyroid Labs Normal Yet I Feel Like Crap, for free on me, simply for just taking a couple minutes and writing us a review so somebody else can find it and learn more about answers, healing, and hope from those normal labs just like you are. So once again, please leave a review and then go to drkylieburton.com backslash crack your thyroid code and you've got access to the 60-minute thyroid workshop on me for free. Thank you.